Well, as you know, we are in the midst, this, today is kind of our last Sunday of doing our series called Time and Seasons. And the reason we chose this series is it gives us an opportunity to kind of listen in and kind of see what there are things that are going on in our world that God wants to draw us attention to. And I think sometimes we get so busy with the things that are going on that we miss some of those signs, the things that are going on around us. As Pastor mentioned last week in his message, uh, he spoke of the three promises of the last days. And I want to encourage you, if, you've never, if you haven't heard that message or you missed it, you can go to our website. You can listen to it there. Uh, you can pull us up on any of our social media. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes. Uh, just download it for New Life. But Pastor mentioned in there, one of, his, one of those promises was for difficult times. And how many of you know, as we walk into these days, and, I, and the things that are lining up in Scripture, the things that we're seeing in Scripture that are lining up, I think we are in the midst of those or beginning to enter those days that we call in Scripture the last days. Too many things going on in this world at this point in time. Too many things are lining up. And that promise of difficult times is there because of the believers and the things that were going to happen to us in this world. But God has ordained it that we not suffer in the way that the world might suffer through this. And, and listen to my, what I'm saying. is because we have Jesus in our heart. We have Jesus in our lives and allows us not to, to go through those situations in the same way. Allows us to rise above those situations and be able to do what God has called us to do. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 16, verse, we're going to start off with verse 16 here. And we're going to talk a little bit about Paul and what he had on one of his bad days. And one of the things that he had in a very difficult time in, in his time and how he responded and how he handled himself. The title of our message today is World Changers. God has called each one of us as believers to be world changers and affect our world. And I hope and pray that that's what today, as we walk through this, these scriptures, God begins to share with you what aspect of that is part you're to take part in. So as we begin, um, we're going to start off in verse uh, 16 here. It said, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. So here we have someone that was, that's fortune-telling, so they're, they're not of Christ. They're, they're of the devil. They're of the enemy. Yet, but they're speaking the truth. Why? It's because the devil understands and recognizes when the truth is there. What, he was, what they were saying is that these men are pointing the way of salvation. She continued on doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her master saw their hope of the prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before their authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs that are not lawful for us to accept or observe being Romans. See, in those last days, 
as believers, we're going we're to be praying, we're going to be seeking after God, we're going to be doing things like we do now. But how many of you understand culture begins to change? This kind of lines up with what they're saying. They're, they're throwing our city into confusion. They're saying things that we shouldn't, they shouldn't be saying and doing. I, have, I believe we're going to see more of that in the, in the time to come. Why? Is because as we draw closer and nearer to the Lord's coming, well, those are things that are going to get more pressure and more built up on the church today. And it's time that we have to stand up, and it's time we need to, to make sure we are ready for that moment. He goes on in verse 22. It says, The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner person. Excuse me, inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas was praying and singing hymns of praise to God. I want to stop there for a second. We can tell that Paul and Silas are having a bad day. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. They're, they're being beaten. Here they are preaching the gospel, doing what God's calling them to do. And now they're being arrested. They go to jail. Before they go to jail, they were beaten. Now they're locked up in the middle part of the jail because they fear them. And what is their first response? It's not to sit there and to start crying out, woe is me, or, or to look at themselves. Their first response is praying and singing hymns of praise. And listen to what it says. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. I'll tell you something, church. When the church and the people of the church begin to stand up, and they begin to lift Jesus up, and they begin to do the things that God's called us to do, it's not just the chains begin to fall off of you. Chains begin to fall off of those that are watching us. Chains begin to fall off of their lives. Why? Is because they're observing us. They are watching us. They are watching us walk out our salvation. They're not saying we're perfect, but they begin to watch us. They said everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he threw the sword and was, drew the sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he had fought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Listen to their response. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and your household will be saved. That Greek word there for the household is not what we think. It's not those that are under our roof and our home, those that live with us. That Greek word is oikos. I hope I pronounced that right. Oikos. And what it means is it's an area of influence that we have under our roof, under our area of, of, that we live in today. That area of influence, it's that, it's that sphere of influence that each one of us carry. God's hope is that while you are here on earth, that your life will be so changed that you influence the world around you. You influence the people around you that God has placed in your, in your presence. So I have, I have a few things I want to share about your sphere of influence that God has given, your orcos. And there's three points I want to just point out to that. Is this... The people, 
my people. See, those are the people that are around you in your, in your area of influence. Yes, they might be your family members or coworkers or classmates. They might be the neighbors in your, in your area that God has placed you. God puts people in our lives that you have influence over. Your neighbors might be one. But it's others. To see, if we, if we stop and we recognize those individuals that God has placed around us, and it might, it, you know, sometimes we get irritated with, with people that God's placed around us. Anyone, anyone else with that way? Or is that just me? But sometimes we're not, we're, not, we're not present enough to realize that God has placed people around us, even those that may annoy us or get on our, 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 on our nerves, they've placed around us that we might have influence over them to guide them and direct them to Jesus Christ and to have a positive impact on their lives. Sociologist says that the most people have about 12 people in their, their sphere of influence. Now, the sphere of influence is that those individuals that over a week's period of time, over a seven-day period of time, that you have more than an hour contact with, maybe have intimate conversation, maybe it's just conversation with like your coworkers, but those that are, that are more than an hour a week, that you have about 12 people that God has placed. I, think, I find that interesting. Jesus had 12 disciples. The, the, the tribes of Israel were 12, and yet God has given us 12 people in our lives that we can have that sphere of influence over them. And it's only, it's only an hour, those who come around an hour a week. Think about that for a moment. Listen to what Mark says here in Mark 5, 19. This is, this is Jesus telling the people, go to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. See, Christ is directing us what we need to do for those in the area of influence. People watch us. People watch us all the time. If, you're, if, if you are, have influence on anyone's life, people would know if you're a Christian or not. It's not an issue of practicing. They'll, they'll realize who what is coming out of you is something different than they have. And that's one, that's the thing that we have to keep an eye on and watch that in our lives so that way we understand that area of influence. So we have, we have your people that God has placed you around. The second thing is he's placed you in a specific place. Acts 17 says here, he marked out an appointed times in history and the boundaries of our lands. See, you're not in Daytona, you're not in Port Orange and are in this area of the state for happenstance. You might think you came here for vacation, loved it, and decided to stay. You think you might have come here for a job, and, and now you're living here and raising a family. No, that scripture tells us that Christ knew and that God knew the exact time and place where you would be. Everywhere I have moved in my life, when I graduated college and moved back here, God placed me back here for, for my sphere of influence over those or maybe the church that I was attending and serving. When I had to move to Tallahassee for a year and God placed me in another church, he placed me in an area that I had influence. In. And then when I had to move to Atlanta, I did the same thing. And then when I moved to South Florida, and the same thing, and when I relocated back here, every place God directed that. We think it's just for our job. The word tells us that he, he knows these exact times and places. Why? It's so that we have an understanding and ask him why. How many of you know sometimes it's, 
it's important to stop and ask God why. I think sometimes as Christians, we're, we're kind of fearful, like God's almighty. Why, why would I question his judgment? Not an issue of questioning, but it's an issue when we ask why, God begins to tell us and share that, that important information. You're not just here for happenstance. The people in your life just didn't happen at a whim. They happened because God began to orchestrate it. God began to, to call that all together. <clears throat> we have a purpose. We have a purpose to influence those around us, those that, are, that will join with us, and jo those that will see our lives and how we handle these situations. How did, how did Paul handle that bad situation? We saw that. God placed him there in jail for a purpose. He was beaten, so the people outside began to talk and share. And their response was not, woe is me. You know, if it was today, they'd be on Twitter, they'd be on Facebook, they'd be on social media, complaining about how hard life is for them and what the enemy is doing. And yet what their response was, their first response was to pray and to praise the Lord and to worship him. Why? Because God wants you to begin to see yourself, to begin to see your life, and to begin to see where you're at with more purposefulness. Sometimes we, we just kind of slough it off and we don't really understand the why there is such great purpose that God has for us. Psalms 90 says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I think that's a prayer that we all need to pray. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Do you ever pray for favor as you're going into a meeting? Do you ever pray for favor when you're having to meet maybe your, your, your child's teacher? Do you ever pray for favor when, when there's situations come up and, and you don't know where to turn? God is right there telling us to pray for favor. Why? Is because that our work of our hands are for us. He's, he's created us to do certain things and to accomplish certain things. See, I think we're, we're not just here on earth to have a job and to pay our bills. To me, that's kind of like a shallow way to look at our life. You know, when I was a kid, there was, remember the seven dwarfs? We used to sing that song when I first started working. I owe, I owe, I owe, it's off the work I go. Well, that's, that's not intended for us as believers because it, God doesn't want us just to work so we pay bills and we just get in that vicious cycle. <clears throat> what happens is that life gets out of balance and we must do that. And we're, but when we begin to go to work and we begin to figure out where God wants us, we begin to have an influence on those around us. We begin to see that your vocation is your ministry location. Understand that, church. Whatever your vocation is, is your ministry location. So if you're a school teacher, if you're a garbage man, if, you're a car, if you sell cars or sell insurance for life, that is your ministry that God's given you for that moment. Why? It's because you have influence on those individuals to be able to pray over them. Why? Is that's your people and that's your place. The third thing I want to look at is your passion and the passion that you have. You might say, Pastor, I, I don't have passion for this. I, I couldn't do this in my life. You know, it, 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 there, there, there are things that I can't do and I can't accomplish that. I'm just, I'm just lucky to make it through my life. And now you're asking me to put this on. See, 
Sometimes we, we don't step into things, we don't step into situations because we're fearful and we don't know the outcome. And we don't think we'll be successful, but yet God has mandated it for us to step out. Sometimes things don't happen until we take that step of faith. Peter didn't know he could walk on the water until he took that first step. Paul didn't know what was going to happen when he's in prison and being beaten until he began to praise and sing praises to the Lord. Those are things that we take that step of faith. We begin to find our passion. We begin to, to search after it. Each one of you are called to do some great things in the Lord. And you're needed. You're needed in the body to do those, those things that God's called you to do. See, I want, I want to challenge you. Next month, we, we begin our next semester or we begin signing up for our next semester of life groups. I want to encourage you. Some of you, God has placed you here for a purpose. Maybe it is to lead one of those life groups. Maybe it's just to be part of the life group because you've never been part of one before. Why? It's because God begins to draw things out of you. He begins to draw that passion out of you. And I want to encourage you. That, so if you're here today, and maybe you want to lead a group, take your, that, that little connection card and write on there, Pastor, I want to lead a group. Or Pastor, I just want to be part of a group. So please make sure I'm, you know, I'm notified when we begin that. Those things are important. You'll never know what God has got greatly in store for you until you take that step of faith. I would never have figured as a child that God called me into the ministry. That was furthest from my mind growing up in a household of, with my dad pastoring and being my pastor. That was something I want, did not want to do. I wanted to, to run the other way. But when I, when I knew that there were things that God began to lead me, so he didn't put me into pastoring. He began to put me in other situations where I had to speak. And God just began to, to bless that and be able to give me that anointing. And, and, and you know what? The, the things of those around us and praying for us, those people that influence begin to see that. I, I carry in my Bible this little handkerchief. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, and something I, my mom had given me. This, this was my grandmother's, my mama, and the, we used to call her. This was her handkerchief. And it's always a reminder that my life was not just me. There were people behind me that I wouldn't be here, but it was those people, the influence that they had on my life that changed my trajectory. It's their influence and their time in the presence of the Lord that put me on my trajectory where God wanted me to be. It was their influence they had over each one of us. So I want to encourage you, go reach, go do, go be part of this reason God has called us to have our influence. Psalms 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, so many people in the world just read that, God's going to give me the desires of my heart. That's not what he's saying here. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. That word delight comes in, in, from the Hebrew when it's about the bride adorning herself with her bridal clothes. Why? She wants to be beautiful for her husband as she sees her husband at the altar. And she wants to prepare herself. And that word means that, so that what God is telling us here in his word, what the psalmist is telling us, that God, as we come into his presence, where we were this morning, we're praising him and worshiping him. We're delighting ourselves in the Lord because we're adorning ourselves before him. We're making ourselves look beautiful to him. Why? It's because we're lifting up praises. We're worshiping him. And we're coming before him. 
So all the old baggage is gone. We're not thinking about us and our problems. We're just thinking about God and who he is in our life and what he's called us to be. So delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. See, I think there's untapped resources here that some of us, no matter what age you are at, God has, a, has placed desires in you. And he's just trying to tap them so that you step out. He's trying to tap through them so you begin to, to do and begin to realize those passions. So follow your passions. God is trying to direct you around your sphere of influence. So you might be asking this, how, pastor, can I be a world changer? Well, I've got just one thing I want to look at and, and do is, and it's really what we teach in our growth track. And if you've never been to our growth track, it's three weeks we go through. We tell a little bit about us as a ministry. We help you see kind of what the gifting that God has given you. And then that last thing is about understanding you as a leader, but also how you can make a difference in the lives of those around you. It's that difference that we make is that difference that we make that has that influence on people. So our first difference is our manner. How many of you ever had your mom tell you growing up, watch your manners? Okay, I'm the baby of the family, so I thought that was just a natural thing for her to yell at me. Okay, or speak to me at the dinner table. Watch your manners. I had three older siblings, and we would fight like cats and dogs, and I was the one that was always kind of slow and, and got the last one caught, so it was me that would get in trouble, I felt. But was, what it basically means is, is behave ourselves. The Bible discusses our conduct and how, as Christians, we have to behave ourselves and learn to walk out this Christian walk. doesn't mean to be perfect. It's not saying you have to do this and, and give you a list of do's and don'ts. No, what it's saying is be more mindful of who is watching and what you're doing. If our walk and our, and our heart is still the same as it was when we accepted Christ and it hasn't changed, then maybe we're not, we're not working out and, and striving to get closer to God. Because the closer you get to Christ, the more the old nature begins to fall off. The more you strive to go after him, the old things begin to fall aside. And you begin to carry yourself in a little different way. You begin to walk out a little bit different. All of us want change in our lives. But if we're doing it just for ourselves, it's probably not going to happen. Am I right? You ever, you know, when they always say, that, you know, when, like when you set a goal, why is the purpose you set in that goal? So if it's for someone else and you're doing it for someone else, maybe it's your health and you're doing it for your children or for your grandchildren. So it gives you something, a greater purpose than that. What we're doing as believers, why we're carrying this out is because our impact on this world. I can say probably most of us are in this congregation are not going to stand up and preach to thousands of people. But what we can do is have an impact on one person in our sphere, maybe two people in our sphere. Why? It's because that's what God has placed us there for. Listen to what he tells us here in Colossians. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. It's talking about being mindful of where we're at. Understanding. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer everyone. Pastor talked about last week that and shared what we had been going through. Some of us 
have bad days. In the midst of those bad days, we get angry, we get upset, and we lash out at someone closest to us. Have you been there, or is that just, am I the only one? Okay? But he mentioned we had our bank account, our ministry accounts had been breached and to the tune of over $40,000. And it was taking up days and hours of our time with the bank and having to go through every form of check that was hitting our bank account and debit that was hitting our bank account just to be able to see this. And so finally, he was trying to put a message together and said, finally, I'm, I'm going to go to Starbucks, get away, get quiet. And he walks into Starbucks. And all this is on his mind that someone had somehow had breached and gotten into our bank account, got access to these numbers. And this young girl comes up with a little girl, and I would say young, maybe in her late 20s or so, the pastor said, and she asked to borrow his phone. And he said, he told us, he said his first thought was like, no, I'm not letting anyone, you know, I had just all this going on. But he stopped. And he, and he stopped and said, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead me through this. I don't want to miss this opportunity. That's, that's being mindful of where you're at in the midst of a bad day. And so he explained to the young lady that uh, what, she had, what we had gone through and what he had gone through. And he said, here, if you just stay right here, give me your number. And he gave the information. And God began to, she was basically down here and lost her money, trying to get back home to Ohio. And she was trying to get hold of someone to get funds. And so pastor was able to walk her through how to go to Western Union, have them transfer the money. And at the end, they were able to do that. She was able to go. But he says he was walking out to his car. He looked in the front seat of her car. He said there was this big, thick Bible with notes and papers stuffed in there. And yet he would have missed that if he had just put up and said no. How many of us missed that opportunity we have? It's why that passage says be wise. Look for every opportunity. Why? It's because our response and our conversation need to be seasoned with grace. It's seasoned with salt. And he teaches us how to answer everyone. That way that we don't run into a situation where we can be mindful of what is going on. First Thessalonians, or excuse me, First Thessalonians says this. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work your hands just as we commanded you so that you may behave properly toward others. I love that. Because as Christians, we, we, people are watching us. Not putting extra responsibility and I'm not trying to say that not to live your life. What I'm saying is let's be mindful of how we respond. How do we respond with things? I, I was at the gym the other day and my trainer had, had to go work with someone else and so he left me on this one thing, and it, and it only lasts like five minutes. And so um, I, and what they do is I'm on a bike, and at, at, at every moment, every minute and a half, I have to push and pedal as hard as I can to get up to a certain speed. And so I was doing it, and one of the trainers came by, and I said, you don't know how many times I wanted to just say, okay, I'm done. I'm getting off of this thing, and no one was around. He goes, why'd you do it? I said, because I know it, it, this is good for me. But also, there's someone here watching me that I need to make sure that I'm being responsive to. How many of you carry that out in your life and how you walk around and do things? Being mindful of those and the manners. I've started in my, when I go out to eat in the last few months, 
of asking our server, no servers. How many know they have, they have a pretty demanding job in the, in the, right now in, this, in our society, those that are bringing you food and serving you food? So as, as they take our order, I always stop and say, ask what their name is. And I said, we're getting ready to pray. What can we pray with you? you? You'd be amazed at someone that wasn't very talkative begins to the rest of the meal just begin to share what God, you know, things that are going on in their life. We'll just stop and pray over it. Not a big deal. Nothing, but you know what? It has that influence on that person's life. Let them know. Maybe at that point that they, they don't know if they're here, if God, they're hearing from God or if God is real, yet we can stop and make that opportunity known to them. You need to have a faithful presence. You are bearing God's witness. Look for that opportunity. So God has given us a people, a place, and a passion so that we can make a difference in this world, that we can carry out our influence and become world changers. The second point I want to look at is our moment. These are divine opportunities that God gives us in life. Pastor speaking to that young lady was a divine opportunity. And they come across a lot more than we think if we're really being mindful and we're really seeking after the Lord and we're stopping and, Lord, show me, what is it you're trying to do? Why, why you know, that the question for Paul and them, Lord, why am I going through this? I don't know if they asked that or not, but the answer would have been, Paul, so all these other prisoners see when those gates are open, those chains fall off, and you didn't run out this door, but it was, it was that your life is free. They, they knew that you'd been beaten. They knew you, you had been thrown in prison. And maybe it was all unjust, but they're here watching you. It's that moment, that divine moment that God places us in. We have an opportunity to speak. We have an opportunity to, to sow into their lives. Psalms tells us the steps of a good man are ordered by God. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. Why? It's because he orders them for everything that we do. He goes on in Proverbs and says, in the heart of human plans their course. How many of you plan your days out? I'm notorious for this with my little book. I plan out my days. And it says here, the, the course of life, humans plan out their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So you might be thinking those appointments that you're making or those appointments that you've got are just appointments, but they might be divine opportunities that God is walking across your way that he has for you to be mindful of what's going on. John Maxwell talks about, that John Maxwell, if you don't know, he's a kind of a leadership guru. He's written many articles and many books, and he teaches about leadership, and he does these huge conferences. But he's also a born-again believer. And he always talks about that he keeps a list of 10 people that he's in, because he's in touch with business people. He's in touch with those that maybe don't ever attend church. But he's got a list of 10 people that, that he knows that are not serving the Lord. They're not, they have not had that encounter with God. And he prays over them daily. And he prays over them. And, and his last thing is, Lord, if I some chance I come, we come across them today, give me that opportunity. Make me mindful that I can be intentional to sow into their life. Because one day, they're going to need me. One day. He said he, he, this uh, CEO of a large Fortune 500 company had watched him through all these years. And, and so he went to John Maxwell and said, what is it I can do for you? And he's like, nothing. God brought me here, and, 
You know, he doesn't in his conferences, he doesn't bring up the Lord. He'll, he'll tell you in there why, where he gets his joy from and what he's all about. And yet he said, if you stay afterwards, got some questions, come up and I'll answer them. That's the influence of a man of God. That CEO later on went through a really rough divorce and reached out to him. And he said when he called him, he, he said, I'm here. And he would be able, through that process, led him to the Lord. And through that process, the gentleman led his wife to the Lord. They reconciled and married. Think about that influence that we have for those divine moments. The third thing I want to look at is our message. And I think, church, this is the biggest issue that we have when we have an area of influence over this world. And I, I'm tired of people and the way that we look at Christianity and they, we give this message, okay, it's time, it's, you turn or burn, or, 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 or making people feel like they're going to hell for, for what they're doing. I don't think God has created us to point out everyone's faults. The enemy does that because the Bible says he is the accuser of men. What I want to know one day is I want to see where the Bible, where the world begins to know us for what we, not for what they think we believe, but know us for our actions and our influence that we have. And it's not just about the bad things that people are doing. Jesus came to give life and give life more abundantly. And we see that in Scripture how he wants us to conduct ourselves around those that do not know the Lord. First Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope. See, the response is back on us. Always be prepared to give a, <clears throat> an answer to everyone, about the reason for your hope. Have you ever done that, ever thought that through? What is the reason for your hope? What is the reason of that, your hope that God has given you and has blessed you with? God has put, wants us to share our testimony. And I want to encourage you, get your testimony down to where it's three minutes. If it goes longer than three minutes, it can just become like a bad old country song, Okay. <laughs> God wants you to get it down. My testimony is that I grew up in a pastor's home. I knew Jesus. I loved Jesus. But there was nothing in my life where, where the thought of church and the thought of coming together with other believers was exciting to me. And I watched my parents do their work. But I had one day a friend, a close friend of the family, end up being my youth pastor, showed me a different walk because he grew up in the same way. As he began to show me and how to live out my life in that where it's fruitful and where there's joy that's coming out, that's when God began to change me. That's when I began to influence and impact this world. Get your story down to three minutes. You can share the hope of what God has done to you. God's bringing people around us for one reason. Why? It's because he has saved you. What did he save you from? And it's not something that we should hide. It's something that we need to broadcast to the heavenlies. If God redeemed you from a life of drugs and alcohol, then you need to shout it out because he's cleansed you and he's redeemed you. He's made you a new creature in Christ. That's why we want to tell that story. 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. He has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is the story that God has given to us, is that we need to let the world know that God wants to reconcile their sins. God's not looking to punish them for it. And if God's not looking, why are we? He redeemed us. He set us free. Can I have the worship team come back up? I want to leave you with this last passage. Church, it's God has placed us here in Port Orange for a reason. He has placed you down here for a reason. Maybe, maybe you didn't understand why you came today. Maybe you had other plans, but you came here for a reason. Maybe that reason is that, that God wants you to understand the influence you have over others' life. I want you to read with me in Matthew chapter 5 here. We're going to begin in verse 14. And this is Jesus in, the, in his Sermon on the Mount. And as he's talking to the people, he looked and said, you are the world's light. He didn't say he was the world's light, did he? He said, you are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. See, it had been easy for Jesus to say, look at me, just point them to me, look at me. But no, he's saying, you are that city on a hill. You're that bright light that people are drawn to. Why? It's because of the nature of what God has done in your life. He goes on in verse 15 and says, don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see. And so that they will so that they will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds glow. Maybe those things that, that God brings us around, those people of influence, the way we impact them is the way we treat them and we act around them. Those are our good deeds. Why? It's because people, even in the midst of our bad day, even in the midst of Paul's bad day, he drove and showed people who Christ was in his life. He showed them that in the midst of that whole situation, he's stopping and praising the Lord. And he's in the midst of that whole situation, he's putting up prayers for the Lord. In the midst of that whole situation, when God, when Paul was in prison, he wrote a majority of the New Testament. And he tells us in Philippians that we need to count it all joy. Why? It's because He's mindful of who's watching and listening. He's mindful of those ears that are watching every step that we take as believers. And our steps need to take and we direct people towards Jesus. We can help them reconcile their past. But let's introduce them in who Christ is in our life. Not just who he is for them, but in our life. Will you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and maybe you came in this morning, maybe you've had that situation where things have come across your heart and your mind where maybe you're not just mindful of those around you, that you have a tendency of being overwhelmed by the situations and not carrying yourself out like God has maybe wanted you to or maybe that way you wanted to. And if that is, that is you here today and you just want, Lord, you just want, Pastor, I just want you to pray for me. 
ask God to, to help me through this situation, that I can be that person he's created me, that I can have that passion, that I can have the influence upon those around me and in my life that impact them. If that's your prayer today, no one looking around, just ask you to raise your hand so I can keep you in my prayers tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. Lord, you, you saw those hands. Lord, I pray, I, I know there were probably others, but Lord, we just ask today, your Holy Spirit be with them, guide them. Make us all more mindful of who we are. Make us more mindful of what you created us to be. Make us more mindful of why you saved us to be that shining hill, that shining city on a hill. That may we draw because of what we do, we give glory to you. We thank you, Father. We give you the praise and the honor and glory today. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.